Hello, it's Peter Wright and Kathleen Beauvais in Ontario, Canada, with another episode of The Yacking Show. This is the show that provides you with a wider range of actionable business and ideas and tips than you'll find practically anywhere else on the internet. And don't miss out on our future guests. Sign up for our weekly news- newsletter on our website, theyackingshow.com. First, let me introduce co-host Kathleen from Waterloo, Ontario. Kathleen, great to be back on the show again. And how are you today? I'm doing great, Peter. And yes, it's a beautiful day here. And we so enjoy the sunshine, especially here in winters where it's so cloudy. Uh, But thank you all so very much for tuning into our show. We so appreciate you. And we love reading your comments. So please keep those coming. And if anyone is interested in being a guest on our show, all you need to do is go to theyackingshow.com, click on the contacts tab where you will find a short application form and we would love to hear from you. And as Peter mentioned, we do have another special guest with us today. Her name is Tiffany Chang. Hello, Tiffany. Welcome to the show. How are you? Hi, Kathleen. Hi, Peter. Very good. Thank you for having me. Oh, now Tiffany is the founder of Inspire My Day. I love that name, Inspire My Day. She is a leadership and career coach, as well as communication strategist. And we'll get into that in just a little bit. But first, for our our audience, can you please tell us a little bit about your background and what motivated you to first to leave the corporate world and start your own coaching business? Thank you for that question. Well, I am. I was born in China, and I lived there until I was 28 years old and started my career there. Then I moved over to Europe uh, to the headquarter of Volvo Group um, mm-hmm. in Belgium, first then Sweden. And I climbing the cl- corporate ladder at Volvo from middle management to top uh, leadership positions, become the vice president uh, of brand marketing and communication at Volvo Group which is a a 41 billion euro company with over 100,000 employees. Mm -hmm. Then then here I met my husband and we we established a family here. We have two young kids, a four-year-old and a six-year-old. Then I wanted to be more um, established here in Belgium because I always had an international career. I was not only traveling globally, but my job was actually in Sweden. And then later on, I went to China to become the vice president of Asia. So that kept us always being a separate family because my job was never in the same country as where I lived. Then later on, I um, become the vice president of Atlas Copco, which is a uh, 11 billion euro company with mm-hmm. over 40,000 employees. So that was basically my corporate career world that took me 16 years in total. And very recently, I left the very comfortable corporate world and I became an entrepreneur. I established my own business. Wow. And what good. motivated you to what motivated you to do that? What what was that? Was there something in particular that said, I need to leave the corporate, I need to just branch out on my own? What was that? Yeah, there. Uh, absolutely, that's a great question. I love this question. Um, there are two main reasons. One main reason is I did see the need. Um, first of all, myself went through a very difficult period where I went from middle management to be promoted to the top. And to 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 tell the story that I started my career in China and my promotional period in the first. A few years was really easy. I went from specialist to manager, manager to senior manager, senior manager to director, then 
mm, relocate to to the global headquarters. So I thought if I just kept going, working hard, deliver, and being a nice person, I would get the top leadership position pretty soon. And I was wrong. And I was wrong for 12 years. So I spent 12 years in the middle management wow. and being very ambitious myself. It was quite a long waiting time. And I had a lot of frustrations and, and impatience. I've tried many things. Um, eventually, I did figure it out. But I wish someone could have handed over me a guide, a roadmap that could help mm. me. And I now that that's first reason that I wanted to do this for other people who have also been stuck in the middle management because more and more I see my client, I see some of them stay stuck much longer even than I did. And I definitely appreciate this type of roadmap handed over to them and give them that guide and support so that they can accelerate. Because another shame part is many people stuck in the middle management. Eventually they pass over their passion. Maybe they reach certain age Maybe it's past certain stage of their life. They eventually give up. They just mm. stay there for the rest of their career, which is a shame. They can totally become more and earning more. So that's the first reason. And second reason, of course, is my own ambition. I'd always wanted to have my own business, uh, although I never thought I would actually do it. Uh, so after reaching the top, the, the kind of top I set for myself, which was the vice president of these companies, I no longer want to um, keep climbing and maybe become the senior vice president or the president. So that was not what I wanted at all anyways. So I thought, why don't I use the rest of mine? I still have 20 plus years left in my career to do something else. And maybe that will create even more value than I, than I am right now. So that was why I started this business. Wow. wow. Amazing, amazing. You're such an inspiring woman. You really are an inspiring woman. And what makes uh, Tiffany's success even more inspiring is she's done this in industries that are traditionally male-oriented because the automobile industry has been a male-oriented one for years. Atlas Copco produces air compressors and a whole lot of other industrial machinery, correct? Uh, They may well have consumer items, which I'm not aware. But again, in in industrial machinery, male-oriented, male-dominated industry. So well done for doing that. We've had some amazing women. We had a a lady who was an executive VP in a cement-producing international cement producer. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. do. And another one one in construction. So well done. So I think you partly answered what I'm going to ask you next. And that is, how did you develop your six-step coaching program? And I guess a lot of it was from learning as you went. But tell our audience more about your six-step coaching program. Yeah. So um, I thought, you know, when uh, my client come to for the coaching, I do, I, do, I want to be giving them a roadmap, not just mm-hmm. being a traditional coach who asks great questions and help them to reflect. That I do as well. But more importantly, I do want them to provide them a shortcut, which from my own learnings and mistakes and knowledges. So maybe I'll start from the typical mistake that middle management made, including myself, made many of them. And that that is how the six steps come from. So I will explain the mistake, then I'll explain how uh, each step mm-hmm. of the six. So number one mistake is um, many people, um, they keep recycling what they have always did and they end up with it with what they always had. And it's because they, I mean, g- give you an for example, that many people would go out and consume a lot. They consume trainings, books and learnings. 
And uh, they get a lot of aha moments from these uh, uh, trainings and books. But when we return, when we are, you know, we return to our desk, the high is gone and they keep implementing, they keep the implementation for tomorrow. And that's one of the places that many people got stuck. And the second uh, part is that many people are also too busy to be successful. They would focus Mm -hmm. a lot on the day to day. But yep. as I said, keep working hard and deliver result is what you get can get you from middle to, to from junior to middle, but not from middle to top. You need a whole another level of skills, etc. So that comes to my first uh, step. That is to discover what leads you to the result of today, and that is a very awakening moment. That sometimes give my client a shocking moment of how many. For example, limiting beliefs, what kind of thoughts and actions they were doing that lead them to where they were today. So that's the first step. And there's the first mistake. And second mistake is many uh, people in the middle management, they kind of l- confuse the business purpose with their personal or their uh, professional purpose. I give an example. So if, if the business goal is this year, we're going to sell 300 million euro of compressors and and reach certain market share and people will actually make that their own goal and mm-hmm. thinking this is what I'm going to do this year and along the way they they kind of got lost themselves and keep following the business goal and sometimes the business goal is the vision is we're going to create a sustainable future for the society by providing sustainable solutions then people think my my goal is to create a sustainable future for people. It kind of got lost their own way. And then at the end of the day, they were like, why am I not not promoted? Why why, uh, it's still not my turn? And this is very because they forgot their own purpose. When you don't know your own why, it's very hard for you to to choose what you focus on, what you prioritize. Mm -hmm. So the second step is to understand and define what's the next version of you. So the first is to uh, discover what leads you to where you are today. And second is to define what's the next version of you. Also, it's not about, oh, my next version of me is become the vice president. Oh, the next version of me is become the general manager and earn this amount of money of income. That's not the next version of you. And the next version of you very much is helping my client to create their new identity and yes, we do set up goals, but the reason to set up these goals is not to reach the goal. My client like went totally crazy. What do you mean <laughs> set goal is not to reach the goal? It means that when you set up the goal, you put yourself in that future identity. You think better. You think bigger. Mm-hmm. That's to help them to think more clearly and think in a bigger way. So that's the second step and second mistake. And third mistake is really about people really working harder on their job than working uh, on themselves. It's it's very different, very different things. When you want to be promoted to a senior leadership you positions, you cannot just demonstrate you can do your current job very well. And being a great team member, you need to demonstrate your leadership capacity. You need to demonstrate one or two level above in a very consistent amount of period, l- likely more than six months. So, uh, people sometimes expect to be promoted because they have been accomplished all the goals and uh, reaching, uh, giving all the results and doing what they should be doing. But that's not going to get them to the next level. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, so the third step is to, another D to determine to determine what and where instead of how much, and mm-hmm. to determine. Where do you want to spend your attention? Where do you want to spend your energy? That including not just the task, but also the amount of people you want to surround yourself with. What kind of people decrease them? What kind of people increase them? Mm-hmm. So that's really the third step. And the fourth step, another D, is to develop. That is to develop their own story, their own narrative. And people will most of the time mistake. I'll develop my story. I can tell my story, no problem. But really, when you go for a career development of progress, it's not really about you. Your story needs to have everything in it for your stakeholders. So that's the difficult part for many people to um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. process and to deliver to 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 really define that story. So the story the this is the next step. Mm, that I, I can go on forever, but I'm just gonna be pretty brief here. Actually, people, anyone listen can go to my website and you get these six steps for free. I also have a free training. It's about one hour long. I explain these six steps in in depth. So you can go to my website, um, inspire.com, uh, sorry, inspiremyday.org. So you can .org. have access. Yes, .org, O-R-G. You okay. will have that. And, That's um, very good. Yeah, thank you. We, we can leave the link in the show notes. So the fourth step is to de- de- develop their own story that have everything in it for them to the extent that when people read it, they can imagine you in their company, in that position and deliver that level of leadership capacity. So that is the number four step. And number five step is really to dominate another D, how to be so good that having you on board can fuel their own success. The either is your sponsor, either is they are the people who promote you. It can be your future boss. So here, many people also make the mistake is that uh, one of them is that they think it's when they want to be promoted, it's their boss who decide. Actually, no. Yes, when it is in a junior position to to middle, very likely. Sure. But when it comes from middle to senior, it's a group of people. It's a panel of people who decide it. Mm-hmm. You really need to understand how the politics works and the power shifts. So that's really the number five, to, to be able to dominate. And if uh, many of my um, clients, they apply externally, then when you research the company, it's not about the research, how much you want to work for them. So you, you maybe you see they have globally how much uh, cool things they were doing, what kind of footprint, what kind of opportunity culture, et cetera. You love that. And when you go for interview, people ask you, what's your motivation to come and work for us? And you express how much you love their company. That question really is about how much you love their company that you can actually turn it into something in it for them because that's all what they are listening Right. So the, the kind of research is not to research what's in it for you. And that 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 will make it the fifth step dominant. How to be so good that have you on board feel their success. Mm-hmm. And now I'll come to number six step. The number six step is the drive, how to drive the negotiation on salary negotiation, package negotiation on a psychological level. And maybe in this part also uh, very likely myself too take it very personally. We think the salary is our value. We feel mm-hmm. undervalued or, uh, and eventually what I teach with my client is how you can learn to get the hiring team feel emotionally safe with you so that they come to the conclusion which you want them to. 
So this is all the six steps in a nutshell. Wow, very good. Wow. Excellent. 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 So I've got to throw in a quick question, another question for you. You were talking about um, people being team members. I read uh, on another management site very recently, somebody pointing out that if you really want to be a top, get to the top of a, a big company, at some stage you have to stop being a team member and be a leader because leaders cannot be team. Company can't be led by team. It has to be led by any organization. Has to be led by a leader, not a team or a committee. Correct? Absolutely. Especially nowadays, uh, every company wants to innovate and being yep. in the digital forefront, using the digital transformation, and that makes them even more important because most of leaders. You are not there just like all the leadership ways. You set the goal, you set the vision, people follow. You communicate, people follow your vision. But the new way of leadership is that you go in and you, instead of um, already created the vision, you co-create with the people, you collaborate with them. So that in, it really requires a different set of leadership style and leadership values. Mm -hmm. mm, interesting. Yeah. So, to Kathleen. Tiffany, on your website, you made a video about the three levels of resistance to change and how to overcome them. Can you tell us more about that? Oh, uh, yeah, that's my favorite topic. So <laughs> <laughs> um, now, any one of you listening, just imagine that you are now implementing a decision into an organization. This organization can be 50 people, 500, 500,000, 5,000 people, whatever that number is, and you're implementing a decision or you're implementing a change or it can be a transformation. And now people is not going to be happy with any anything you want to change. So expect resistance. And what I talk about is there are three levels of resistance, why people resist to change and how once you understand the why, it's much easier to develop the how. And the level number one is I don't get it, which is most companies mm -hmm. and leaders are very good at that. Okay, if you don't get it, let me explain to you with PowerPoints, trainings, town halls, and meetings, right? Workshops. And um, what you do is you give the why, the what, the how, the when, the who, uh, all these elements. That is why company also fail because there comes to the second part is after I don't get it is I don't like it. Mm -hmm. And wh what do I mean by I don't like it? Many leaders will be, okay, you don't like it because you don't understand it. Let me explain to you again how great. Let me take an example of digital transformation. Many companies are transforming their platforms and their business into digital versions. So to the leaders, it means now I get a transparency of entire company sales process, where they are, how many they're, say, they're selling and how much uh, we're selling, how much we're going to visit, uh, how, how many clients we're going to visit tomorrow and how much leads. They have this transparency and it's very efficient to organize your entire company. And it's easily to scale into much more geographical locations. So, so many benefits. And there's great calculations of we, we can go from this amount of million to that amount of billion uh, trajectories. So for leaders who communicate this type of change, they are very excited and they have great reasons to be excited. So when they come and communicate to the frontline salespeople to say, okay, now we're going to implement this and you are going to put your data in there and this is how great it's going to be. For the front salespeople, when they are hearing this, all they are hearing is, okay, now I have eight hours of door-to-door -door visit to my client. Now, instead of eight hours visiting my client, I need to put extra two hours to, implement, to insert all the data. 
I am what I did today, who I visited, how much they ordered, how much they're going to order, what I'm going to do tomorrow, so that you have a uh, <laughs> transparency sitting in the other side of the world being the management. And for them, that means losing uh, the time to visit the client, mm -hmm. extra more hours. Perhaps this also means that they're going to do less sales because their time obviously is going to put in the computer work. So this is why they don't like it. And if leaders go on and on addressing these this benefits means for him, then the people who listen is not going to connect mm -hmm. because what motivates you as a leader does not motivate your employees. So that is why what I'm saying is second level is I don't like it. The thing here, why most companies fail is most working places, they are not designed to handle emotions and fears. Mm -hmm. So they don't address it. They think, oh, okay, they don't get it. Let's go back to the level one. But actually employees asking questions more logical sound like they're asking questions to address the number one level, but actually they want you to read between the lines, understand that I just don't like it. It's not that you repeat your reasoning another three times, it's not going to help. So that's the level number two. And level number three is even better, is that I don't like you. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. the you here can mean um, not just you personally, it can mean you being a certain identity, maybe HR. Uh, mm -hmm. If uh, HR come to your department meeting, you'll probably think there's something wrong with our team, right? It can be the HR, it can be someone who is coming from global headquarters and they want to implement a global process into a local place. So that can be you as someone from global headquarters. So we really do need to address all these levels of resistance, understand which part is the, the problem. Then you can design your communication and to influence and inspire these people to, to take action. Mm -hmm. Wow, three levels. Yeah, that's very good. And I, I, I hear what you're saying, having been in the corporate world myself, very, very much aware of those three levels. Um, here's one for you. You you say you deal, you, you work mainly with expatriates. Uh, is there a specific reason for that? And there's two parts to this question. And do they experience a greater range of difficulties and challenges than native-born management people? Mm -hmm. Yes, there are two reasons as well here. One of the reasons is um, that they do have more challenges. And these challenges, for example, I mean, on, on the life side, it's obvious. They leave their family in France. They go to mm -hmm. another country. And they drag their entire family to relocate for them, which some most of the time means the other half will will be staying at home and not not even having a career anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's that's one of the sacrifices they make. And of course, there's cultural language. Um, so these these are the life side, and you can imagine all the inconvenience they have. But also, they they choose that because it's an adventure. But the second side is what I'm focused more on, which is climbing the corporate ladder for middle management middle management who mm -hmm. have become an expat relocated to a different place most of the time it's very difficult for them to climb to the top because first of all i mean i can uh, take myself as an example so you can sure. imagine this situation more concretely um when i came to europe i was appointed to be the middle man management so i was a, a global director of internal communication and at that time, the next step for me will be the vice president of communication. But in Sweden, if I would have been a Chinese, want to be a vice president in a Chinese company inside China, that would have been easier for me. 
but to be a vice president of communication in Sweden, you first of all, I'm not even speaking Swedish. I cannot even read media, sure. Swedish media. I, I don't have a Swedish uh, journalist uh, media network like the local. So I do lose a lot of competitive edge. If there's a media writing anything about our company, I wouldn't even be the first one to, to know. And so that's first. And uh, that's that's being to the top because majority of the time we're talking about to the top. That also means you go to a global headquarter. It is not in your home country. Mm-hmm. And that's a place where all the power is. But also that's a place majority of them, if it's a Swedish company, majority of them on the top. I mean, I'm talking about the top 1%. Sure. They are Swedish. Of course. And it's much easier for them to bond together internally in the company, externally talking with the politics, the government relations, and mm-hmm. also to to for them to form a network around them because they have much more shared interests and in culture. Whereas being an expat, it's much more difficult because as higher you go, it becomes not so easy to measure. You cannot say I can sell sell more. That's why I I want I need to get the vice president. It's not that level of measurement anymore. It's a lot of soft skills that you're able to collaborate. Mm-hmm. You are able to engage others, and that in that all are barriers for expats and second reason is after i started my business i actually did not set up a go to target as expat but i i find out only expats come to me and ask for help and i do realize after that many expats do have this type of um, self-limiting beliefs i call them sometimes you can meet people who come from eastern europe feel they are not adequate enough Mm-hmm. to be a top leader in Western sure. Europe or in Northern Europe. Mm-hmm. And these are all the barriers inside ourselves we set up for ourselves. And that's also why I had one of my module is to address these limiting beliefs. Mm-hmm. Interest, very interesting. I quick one I noticed coming from English speaking, British influenced Southern Africa. I was in several countries. Um, our business language was much more direct i found than than in canada and north america so i found not that i got it back into the corporate world but just in general business dealings quite a difference in culture and we all speak the same language and you know so i can just imagine that in a country with a different uh, business language it must be even more difficult yeah interesting thank you for that kathleen Uh, tiffany tell us about the one percent academy and what does that one percent have in common and also what do you do to help them get there yeah that's a great question thank you for asking that maybe i can give you some examples which i actually put together uh, also it's free you can download it for free there are 17 qualities that can move you from middle to top and i do uh, have 17 qualities for the people who are already in the top and the 17 qualities for people who are in the middle and striving to go to top and what kind of mistake they can they can raise for their own self-awareness. So I'll, I'll talk about maybe uh, three to five here. Mm-hmm. Sure. And the first is um, uh, being the top leadership uh, positions, you practice empathy towards leadership as your company navigate through changes. And you think about wider implications of your own behavior to others. So that means the opposite is uh, you are frustrated about the problem your company has. And you think it's your management who need to fix that. 
which is quite common. You hear people talk about, I don't know what our management is doing. Why it take it so slow? Why it takes so long uh, to react? So that is a um, one of one of the 17 I, I defined. And second is that as a leader in the top, they behave like a leader and they are consistent with their personal brand, not only up, but also down and across with different stakeholders. That including, for example, collaborations, reliability, clear communication, and even kindness. And the opposite way of doing that would be you think leadership is just job title. I will become a leader once I get that job title, once I have that authority. And you think you can only develop leadership after you have been appointed to that level. So that would be the second. And mm-hmm. uh, I give you maybe one or two more examples. And uh, the the leadership, the people who are in the top, who are in the top, they take ownership of their performance and they keep track of their achievement so that they can look back at their growth over time and they learn what, what was their learnings. And by doing that, they made it very easy for anyone who need to or want to appoint them to the next level. Also easy to see it, to see those achievements and these learnings and these growth. And the opposite way of doing that is they haven't got any feedback from their manager for months or years about their performance. And um, the career progression obviously was not there. And they are not even taking proactive um, actions to go and seek for these feedbacks. So these are, these are number three. And I can go for one more maybe. The, the next one is that when... Um, when in a leadership top leadership position, when they talk about um, when they talk with their um, higher level managers, sponsors who can get them the promotion, they not only have a list of their own achievement, but also they can present the impact the team made under that leadership at the level above their current level for at least six months. Mm-hmm. So um, the opposite of that is that. Um, when uh, you talk with your manager about your promotion, your case is only about my own needs. Mm-hmm. Uh, why uh, I, I need that promotion because it's been five years I'm doing this and I need that promotion because uh, <laughs> I, I have this ambition and I want to grow. So that will be a worst case to present any uh, case sure. for, for uh, next level promotion. Oh, absolutely. So we, we're getting a, close to the end of our time. Don't, we don't have to rush, but I, I'm just aware of the time. So I've got a question I need to ask you. And I ask this question of all the successful business people we have on the program and you're on the show, and you're clearly right up amongst the top of those. So in your wide experience, Tiffany, and in your work with, with other leaders and people who perhaps are not, who don't make it as leaders, you've talked about 17 qualities that you need to go from one level to the next and another 17 to get to the top. But overall, is there one specific habit, characteristic mindset that sets successful leaders, and I don't just mean making a lot of money, I mean successful leaders in the wide sense of the term, apart from those who always remain average? Is there one thing or is it more complicated? I can give you the one thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That is, as you know, that our brain are not designed for success. It's designed Mm -hmm. for survival. Mm -hmm. So the people in the top, of the game, whatever that is, they are able to control their own brain. And 
the people who are not, they are they become the slave of their brain. Mm-hmm. So what do I mean? Our brain doesn't like self-doubt. It doesn't, whenever you want to do something risky, it doesn't like us to take this risk and feel the anxieties and uncomfortable uh, feelings. So our brain will tell us it's better to not do it because it's designed to yep. keep us safe, to keep us alive. And the people who are more successful, they are able to say, no, I want to do it. And it's okay to not feel satisfied right now, but later on I will. That includes sacrifices for the current situation. Uh, you know, it can be also be for, for anyone who is very successful in the sports, the same. You don't, uh, you know, develop muscles by working out one day. It no. takes years of work. But they, they, they do that if they wake up at four every morning, that's every day. The brain doesn't like it. The brain likes to sl- sleep uh, longer. So the people who are successful more, they are able to take over control and not let their brain autopilot. And that means that they can handle the delayed gratification. There's a study show that uh, for the drug addict, if you ask them, uh, right what's your next uh what's what's your timeline they think everything in four days and if you ask anyone who is not an entrepreneur and uh, they they can that can be a corporate employee they think about four years but when you ask about this question to an entrepreneur they think in 10 years they think about elon musk he's already thinking 100 years mm-hmm. later right so yeah. that is yeah. the big difference yeah. Wow. You know what, Tiffany, I could I could listen to you speak for hours and hours and hours. And unfortunately, we're, we are coming short on time. So please tell our audience how they can contact you. Sure. Um, they can contact me through my LinkedIn, uh, Tiffany Chen, uh, or you can also visit my YouTube. I upload the video every week. Um, and you can also come to our website. There are a lot of free resources you can take from the 17 qualities I talk about or the six steps uh, in my free training. You can all find them in my homepage. It's uh, inspiremyday.org. .org. And for audio listeners, that is in the description. Thank you, Tiffany. Oh, thank, thank you. you so much. What, what wow. a privilege to have had you on this show today. It's, it's truly, and as, as I mentioned earlier, you really are an inspiring woman. So oh, yes. congratulations and kudos to you. So yeah. thank you all again for tuning into our show. And until next time, take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.